0: says, get that India, big boy. a
1: Acevedo, call an ambulance, maybe call a priest. Oh, what a shot, what a shot, Campbell Killer. Hello and welcome back to a instant reaction edition of the tip sheet. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020 and joining me on this joyous day for a big bounce back win, is my good mate Sixties. How you doing, champ?
0: Do well, mate. Any day where there's an Eels win is a joyous day. Don't care what the score line is. That was a joyous day. It, it
1: helps when you nearly shut your opposition out, restricting them to just the one penalty goal to open the scoring for the day. Eels winning thirty nine to two over the Newcastle Knights in was it round seven? Now, yeah, round seven. Can Ends I after. just
0: can I just add a special shout out? Mitch Moses for that field goal at the end because my tip in the preview was for the Eels to cover the seven and a half points start to the Knights and there for there to be over 40.5 points total match points scored in the match. So when he kicked that field goal, we jumped up to 41 match points. So the preview tip came in. Just
1: there we go, Mitch. Obviously, a big fan of the t- of the tip sheet and the Cumberland Throw, covering the spread there on both accounts. The seven and a half start and points. Mate, score.
0: who isn't who isn't a fan of the Cumberland Throw these days? We have got Ivan Cleary. Yeah, we had
1: uh, 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 Ivan Cleary was shouting out the uh, the the Cumberland Throw, and I think uh, it might have been Mick Ennis mentioning that. Uh, uh, which player was it on Thursday night uh, was also uh, Daily Cherry Evans also tried the Cumberland Throw, so definitely not the tackle. Um, the website, so. That's it. That's it. <laughs> but
0: uh, it's the, it's the it's the website on everyone's lips. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> uh,
1: let's jump into this one, mate, because this will be a fun uh, review. Obviously, last week quite sombre, and you know to the point that in our preview podcast you started with a glass half full mentality and ended up with a almost a glass empty uh, perspective on this game. But the Eels responding in big time fashion, thirty nine to two, nearly a shutout. Just that family goal that we talked about at the start. And uh, it goes like this with Sean Lane starting the scoring. Hayes Perham getting a, a try there, doing a good job filling in on that troublesome wing spot. Dylan Brown, Isaiah Papali'i with a double, and then Will Penicini, uh picking up an easy try after the Edric Lee making a meal of that uh, early kick from the scrum. Uh, Mitch was five from six, but he probably should have been four from six. Um, I think he might have pinched one there and the touch, he's got it wrong. Uh, but I don't know, we'll, we'll have a look at that one later. But he also added two penalty goals, and a late field goal. Might be a case of Scorigami here, 60s. I can't think of too many games that would have been close to a 39-2 to margin. So we have to wait and see if that is the first time that scoreline's ever happened in the NRL. But uh, quite a, a possibility of that one at least. But uh, looking at the team stats, mate, this is a big bounce back for the Eels. Uh, obviously, they're going to be ahead in pretty much every key indicator when you win like that, plus 37 on the for and against. 59% possession, favoring the blue and gold, uh, plus nearly nine minutes time of possession, Excellent completion rate, 85% for Parramatta, 34 or 40 to Newcastle, 69%, uh, 195 runs to 133, 1905 metres to 1165, post-contact metres uh, plus 250 for the Eels, seven line breaks to one, 39 tackle breaks to 24, average set distance plus 12 metres for the Eels. Uh, As always, the Newcastle Knights are the faster play, the ball speed though, 3.34 to 3.66, but then you're down... Uh, Eels more effective diffusing the kicks, better tackling rate, 87.35% to 86.28%. Uh, missed tackles, 24, ineffective tackles, 17. Uh, you could probably still squeeze those numbers down a bit, but at least at uh, sort of floating around 40-ish total, that's much better than what we saw against the West Tigers last week, mate. Uh, errors, Eels halving that of what Newcastle had, 6-11. to uh, penalties conceded 4-5, to so that was pretty close. I don't think there was a 6 again in this game, mate.
0: Um, was there? The Eneralicom's Inter- Inter-
1: Inter- a- not listing them, and I can't remember one.
0: I, I'm i sure that... Uh, sorry, Penrith. Uh, I've got Penrith on in the background against the uh, Raiders. I'm sure that the Knights got one six again. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, look, I couldn't be certain. I, I But I did think that there was a, a six again that they received, um, un- unless for some reason I'm... Thinking of the uh, Reggie's game, <laughs> it,
1: it was a, a fairly fluent game by Ashley Klein standards, especially for the Eels. As we've had some uh, real troublesome games, obviously with him holding the whistle. But I thought he let this game flow. And I mean, to be fair, the Eels made it an easy job for him to flow, given that they were just carving the nights up.
0: Yeah. Uh, look, a couple of things. Uh, first of all, uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely was the um, near glass empty in the in the preview, but. That was because I was uncertain about what was going to happen with regard to Reg.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, the, I understand where you came from in the preview. It was just and, good to see uh, the boys respond, right?
0: Yeah, and, and we just didn't know what was, what was going to happen. Now, I think it worked out quite well with the team selections, with um, Dylan playing out at centre, and I thought Hayes Perham had a very good game out on the wing. In, in fact, near faultless game out on the wing. He couldn't... Uh, he looked like, and again, we come back to the the Knights certainly didn't perform well, but I thought that uh, Perham looked very comfortable out there on the wing. It, I think it becomes then an easy selection moving forward that he retains that spot on the wing until there's uh, a situation where we start to get players back and then uh, B.A. gets to think about what he's going to do with regard to team selections. But... Uh, we were talking before about where Dylan was almost playing as like a second five-eight in uh, positionally, where he was playing inside. Well, let's of-
1: let's talk about that because controversially, I know among fans and and even myself, I sort of issued a bit of a sigh when I saw the final team list and it had Jake Arthur playing in the halves, Dylan moving the centre. But it's clear that the Eels had a pretty uh, solid game plan this week. Uh, In regards to Brad often mentioned in the uh, pre-game interview he had with Fox uh, Sports that, you know, worked hard at training and had some different shapes and systems in place to ensure that Dylan wasn't left isolated at left uh, centre. Yeah, left centre, sorry. And would get some good looks at the ball. And they sure played that way, didn't they, mate?
0: They did. And let's start off, first of all, with the fact that there were six players missing who the Eels have used as uh, an outside back, or would use as well, outside back. It, it's gotten so
1: bad that if you had a chance to watch the Foxtel coverage of the Reserve Grade game, they were actually talking about how impacted the Reserve Grade team has been. Uh, yes, like that, it, that, that and, is and how big the falling effect has been now for not just Brad Arthur but Ryan Carr.
0: Yeah. So, in addition to those six NRL players that were missing with uh, from uh, the outside back stock, you also had. Uh, uh, Solomony Naiduki, who's been out for a few weeks now from uh, Mm -hmm. reserve grade, Mm -hmm. and also um, the young bloke that was elevated from the FLEG team to the New South Wales Cup team was a a late omission as well. Yeah,
1: Uh, Graham uh, Graham, Um, Wild
0: Yes, yes. So (laughs) um, in terms of outside backs, it's... It's, it's really getting to that it's un, stage. It's unprecedented.
1: Where, I, I can't oh, recall yeah, anything absolutely. like this.
0: So, um, look, I, I think uh, given that they had played Dylan Brown at centre at um, uh, when they were looking at at playing uh, uh, Jake Arthur off the bench earlier in the season when he came on, and then uh, Dylan was to move out to out to centre, and they did train a number of times. Uh, in that way, in the lead up to the first round, when they uh, started to to lose players such as Hayes Dunster, it wasn't entirely a surprise. I hadn't been able to see any training until the captain's run this week, so I had no idea what was going on. Obviously, I, I then knew uh, yesterday what the uh, what the positional switches were going to be, but um, as you know, that's the sort of thing that we have to keep that we do keep mum about. But. Um, I, I think, given that the only other option was bringing in uh, a player that they would have had to have got special exemption for, which uh, being uh, Zach Scini, it, it was probably uh, the way that they had to go with uh, with their selections this week. And uh, look, you 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 were saying before that uh, wasn't popular with Eels supporters. I can tell you that I was ab- getting absolutely hammered with text messages of people expressing that opinion, and uh, my my reply was simply, let's judge that based on how the game goes. And, and, and uh, thankfully,
1: they obviously, you know, I could mention, they had the systems in place to ensure that Dylan was still heavily involved in this game, and if you were just looking at this without looking at the team sheet, you wouldn't really know that Dylan wasn't the 5'8 in this game. He got plenty of looks, uh, one off the ruck or two off the ruck, and had some great moments. Uh, continues to be one of the most difficult men in the game to tackle. He is just so strong through contact he was fantastic I mean this is going to be a review an instant reaction I think we're going to be pretty much shouting out 1 to 17 here Uh, the entire team fantastic but let's start with the big one and this was an emphasis or point of emphasis for us in the preview podcast the defense Eels needed to get right I actually I was actually pretty close you know puff puff my chest up and give myself a pat in the back I think I was um, right, to some degree, predicting a defensive bounce back here. You were a little bit more pessimistic, understandably, given what we've seen across the first uh, six weeks. But the Eels really aimed up here. First contact, way better. Did a great job wrapping up the ball carrier for the most part. And when there were offloads, there was a guy swarming or pushing up in support to shut it down. Uh, I think that uh, Junior Pollo came back and made a difference. There was a lot of statements of intent from him with the first up contact. He's an absolute brick wall when it comes to those hits. But yeah, just good to see the Eels right that part of the ship.
0: I must say, when you were reading out the missed tackle and ineffective tackle count, it caught me by surprise because I would have thought that it was nowhere near those sorts of numbers. There was a couple of runs of
1: play late in the game, where I think Newcastle, even though they made good metres and we we had a couple of bad tackles, the guys actually making the tackles did a good job shutting it down. So I think that might have been what it out a little bit.
0: And, and look, I think really when you're, you're talking about the um, ineffective tackles, uh, as soon as you start to get any uh, offload here or there, well, that's an ineffective tackle. But um, so, it, I'd actually be curious. I've never really looked into it. What the what the average ineffective tackles is across all teams for a season?
1: Mm, that, that'd be something like worth charting. For exactly. Uh, just to because those are the sort of frames of reference you want to know. Uh, obviously you want to be looking at your games in isolation, but you also be looking at it in reference to the other good teams. So that's something we might yeah. be able to jump on and, and see if we can have a little poke around and see how the Eels are trending. Because I know that we made a point of the discussion that the Eels, while they've been very good in attack, have the worst top or the worst defence in the top eight. But this was the sort of metrics they, they're going to be wanting to be holding themselves to against Newcastle. Obviously you can't hold every team to just two points, but they were very good across the park in defence today.
0: Yeah, and you have to really be happy with a thirty-seven point differential that comes out of a any match because that result today puts the Eels ahead of the Sharks on points differential in uh, the uh, on the ladder provisionally and- second
1: place, but there is still games in hand for the Storm and the Roosters. We- no, the Roosters, yeah, the Roosters could jump us still. Yeah, yeah. Well,
0: the um, no. It, would the roosters be able to jump us
1: roosters are the game in hand behind us and they are they'd need the win by a lot but they could still do it you know just a casual 58 point differential you know just it is the dragons okay
0: there well i suppose it's i suppose it's possible but um I'll I'll back the Dragons to make it a close encounter,
1: that one. And if the Warriors turn up, Eels could finish the round in second. So you go go from skies falling in against the the Tigers on Easter Monday, where we obviously throw away a game that was very winnable, to ending the next round in second place. Kind of rugby league, what a sport.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so if we we look at this game, just to, to sum up what we saw, we really saw the Eels return to... Uh, Parramatta 101 in terms of the style of play where uh, it's probably the style of play that we would have preferred to have seen against the Tigers yeah, where... You, you put 15 uh, on
1: the Tigers it, if you play like it this.
0: Simple, keep it simple through the forwards, um, exert that authority. Build pressure. Uh, build pressure, yep yeah. and, and really, compared to some of the uh, shifts that we saw against the Tigers that were just well, let's let's face it, the completion rate was terrible that we saw against the Tigers. And that really kept inviting them back into the game at a time where um, we should have been exerting that sort of field dominance, field uh, territory and possession. And, um, yeah, we were our own worst enemy last week. And it was just good to see that they were able to bounce back this week when... A lot of people were probably thinking this is a danger game for us Where in a week where the Knights announced their uh, extension Mm -hmm. of the contract for Caelan Ponga. Yeah, it was a
1: big big event day, obviously Anzac Day. It was, like you said, the Caelan Ponga contract re-up. They had a lot going for them in this game. and We know that Newcastle in the past tend to be a a team that can get up for these sort of events. Uh, But thankfully, the Eels are far too good on the day and yeah, and I think it comes back to, like you said, fundamentally Parramatta just playing good football. It was so nice to see runners pushing up in support throughout the entirety of this game. And that's why we had so many line breaks and great post-contact meters because there were guys always there. Uh, you know, we had some nice inside balls as well from forward to forward, from half the forward. It was just such a, a rock-solid approach to this game. And it, yeah. it's so. It obviously makes last week so much more frustrating. But on the flip side, it is encouraging that they can get their heads right, get their mental space, in, you know, in an order, and come back against a team they had plenty to play for today.
0: Yeah. Look, and you, you mentioned before there's plenty of players that uh, could come in for praise. The, look, the first one I want to praise is Ice because last week I said that he had arguably his worst half of football that I'd seen. Today, I would have said that that was his best uh, 80 minutes of football um, going back to games last year. It was, uh, it, it was a game where it, it looked like he was determined to put last week behind mm-hmm. him and make a statement yep. that uh, he's so much better than what we saw last week. And uh, as I said, I, I thought that was a game which was the equivalent of uh, some of his best from last season.
1: I agree, Uh, fantastic game from Ice and I know you can say the caveat would be that he probably wouldn't score a couple of those tries against better opposition but he did exactly what he had to do and put himself, I mean, to be fair the effort involved in that second try in particular was phenomenal, you know, he was contacted probably uh, three metres out by I would argue offside defenders on the last and he just pushed them into the end goals and rolled through the contact to score really good to see him bounce back I mean, the numbers don't look great for Sean Lane he only had 66 metres from eight runs, but his involvements were quality in that first half. Scored a try, slipped an incredible offload to Hayes Perrim to get him over, and then off the bench. You talk about back rollers, Ryan Madison, phenomenal. 15 runs, 164 metres, a couple of tackle busts. Uh, there was at least a few offloads. Uh, he's down for two officially, but also some great ball playing before the line. And I think he was just... I don't think that the the Knights had a clean... First up, hit on him defensively the entire game. He was just causing all sorts of havoc through the middle. Really starting to find his feet in that role. Good to see.
0: I, I'm going to preempt. I'm going to jump ahead. He, he got my three points for today. I thought he was absolutely outstanding. He, uh, he was, well. Did he not? Did he not play a middle role when he came on?
1: Yeah, so he's coming in as the I think he's a replacing Nathan Brown in terms of the minutes, or maybe it's he takes one of the the props off and then sort of slips into Brown's role once they get another prop on. Uh, but he's playing a hybrid lock prop role, which I know the lines get blurred a lot these days in terms of locks and props. But uh, he he can be used in both capacities as a more classical lock or as a muscle, uh, you know, middle. And, yeah, he was so good. And and it, knock on wood, and you don't want to put the mockers on him, but he seems to have a grip on the concussion problem that was really derailing him in recent times. He uh, hasn't come close to getting a, another head knock in a while. And you can tell, can't you? He's got that confidence going into contact again.
0: Yeah. Uh, you'd, have to, you'd have to give all of Parramatta's forwards a big tick for today's best, effort. Best game
1: from Makotoa well, in, in a while, too. He was causing all sorts of havoc getting involved on the uh, second-phase play, the outside insides, uh, just making good post-contact meters. I mean, obviously, Junior Paulo, pretty, pretty good player. Reagan Campbell-Gillard, if you didn't know he was hurt, 12 runs, 144 metres, 54 metres post-contact, you wouldn't know that he was playing well below
0: 100%. Well, that was my concern coming into the match was that we were going to have to play without him, and I just saw that as... Uh, I mean, last week playing without Junior Paulo, I thought cost us the middle, and maybe that had a bit to do with the way that we uh, tackled the game as well. That we we didn't look to go up the middle as as we should have. But I just didn't want to imagine going into this match being um, down not in troops, not only out wide, but then also uh, with missing Reg. So I was quite glad to see that he. He came through and was declared fit and able to play, and he, he ran quite freely at the captain's run yesterday. So, um, let's just say I, I was feeling a lot more positive after watching the captain's run <laughs> yesterday than I, than I was when we recorded our um, our preview podcast. So, um, yeah, very good return to form today uh, by the Eels uh, individually, with many players, and then also uh, as a team. It was. It was the sort of cool heads that we would have loved to have seen last week, and mm-hmm. we understand. We do understand that you're going to have in in every season. There's going to be games that are played that are uh, teams are playing below their best.
1: And look, um, the West Tigers seem to have captured a little bit of confidence too because they took the Rabbitohs in Golden ball, in a field goal again uh, this week. And so. let's
0: be let's be let's be fair about that too because um, the Rabbitohs faced a much tougher West Tigers team than what we did. I thought the West Tigers were at least 50% better against the Rabbitohs than they were against us. I, I maintain that the the Tigers, based on last week's form, would still have been beaten by any of the top eight teams. However, they went up another gear last night and, and thoroughly deserved that win over the Rabbitohs. Played really good football. And as you say, maybe that's... That's the Philip that they their win over us might have been the Philip that they need mm-hmm. to um, get on a bit of a, a, a wing run.
1: Yeah, so I mean I don't disagree, but I'm just looking at the numbers here for the Eels, mate. It there are a lot of players you could just brace here, and we mentioned him earlier. But Hayes Perham did a fantastic job filling in on the wing for a guy that is not a winger. Um, he defused a couple of early high bombs. The Knights went after him, and he looked very comfortable. Uh, did some real tidy ruck work. Scored a try. Uh, the ball didn't really come his way in terms of attacking opportunities beyond that, because he, mostly because he was just carving up the rock. I think that was a big part of it is that they were just making so many inroads around the middle that they couldn't get the ball to the edges otherwise. Uh, but good to see him have a good game. And like you sort of uh, pointed out before, it's probably his spot now to lose uh, pending that cursed jersey uh, until we have reinforcements back.
0: Yeah, um, 12 – I think it's something like 12 players – ran over 100 run metres.
1: I got 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Yeah, and then Makatoa could get bumped up tomorrow. Uh, he's at 95 metres, and that could easily, once they do the adjustments, get him over 100. So, very, very good effort across the park, and it reflects the dominance Eels had. Once again, the numbers matching that eye test you talk about. Eels just too good across the park, too strong, too fast against the Newcastle outfit. That like we said before, had plenty to play for, but just did not seem dialed in.
0: That's what I want to see from... Look, the the way they played against the Dragons is a very entertaining brand of football. But how they played today against the Knights in terms of just um, applying the screws and just not giving the Knights yeah, any... It's any.
1: properly taking care of business, isn't it? It's
0: Yeah, it is absolutely taking care of business. That's what I want to see at this time of year. Sure, there's going to be times where uh, you'd like to see a little bit more in the way of um, uh, entertaining attack, but if you're scoring points, like if you're scoring 39 points in a game from just absolutely belting a team through the middle, then I'm quite happy for that to happen as well. I, I, I don't need to see anything anything flash. Uh, the tries... Basically, the tries were added as uh, uh, on as a result of pressure, and I was uh, you know, I was very very pleased with how they were able to get across the line this week. And as as I said, I don't really care for flashy play. It's it's great to watch, but it's it doesn't necessarily get the job done today. As I said before, it was Parramatta football, para one hundred and one, and I think that that should be the um let's just say the game plan for the majority of the matches that they uh, that they are taking on in the upcoming weeks because let's just get the points on the board at this stage let's add the premiership points where we need to build keep building into the season and uh, and go from there
1: yeah and it comes back to the concept that you can't win a Premiership this early in the season but you can sure lay the foundation. To have a, a push from the top two or top four in that final series, so it was. You
0: amazing. can you can also you can also lay the foundation for not making the finals. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, you know, like yeah. say, so you don't you don't going to win a premiership at this time of year, but you can certainly put yourself out of the running if you if you're not doing the the things that you need to do. So, um, yeah, get just getting back on track and and winning games that they should is what we need at this time of year. Um, Mate, your 3
1: two, ones. Oh, I mean, you're already giving Madison a shout-out, and it is really hard to go past the big man. He was so good off the bench. And it's not often that you see a bench forward come on and have that. I mean, and it, it probably is a disservice around Madison to call him a bench forward because in a lot of other clubs, if not most of other clubs, he'd be a starter. Just the, the strength of the Eels really is their forward pack, and he provides a unique role off the bench for them. I think I'm going to have to agree to you, agree, to you, agree with you, that sort of effort off the bench really deserves uh, highlight or, or top line billing. So we'll give them the three points together.
0: Okay. Uh, the two points, I think I've already um, indicated where my two points is going to go. That's with ice. ice.
1: Yep. And again, <laughs> it's, you know, you, you want to try and give a little bit of a different opinion, but ice just so good across both sides of the ball. Uh, really, really wanted that bounce back, that redemption game after what happened against the Tigers, and he did it. So I'm going to go for you for the two points too.
0: And uh, the one point, um, look, I'm probably going to go with Mitch Moses for the one point there. Uh, it could easily go to one of the other forwards, but I, I just thought that uh, Mitch kept us asking enough questions of the defense that... Um, he he was, I suppose, the point of difference out there, mm-hmm. and I I came I came as I said I've come very close to naming, uh, I like I could have named Reg, uh, in in that place there, um, but I'm going to go with Mitch Moses. Your one point,
1: yeah, Mitch, very good. He was, uh, I think, he probably assumed more responsibility this week because of the the alpha brown switch up, but even then, you know, obviously we, we had Dylan as part of the playmaking group still, but he did very good in the face of that pressure. But the player I want to give my one point to is a bloke that we talk about adapting your roles and how Mitch had to take on more responsibility, Dylan obviously having a different set of uh, tasks this game. The player I think that's made more adjustments than maybe anyone else this year has been Quinton Gufferson. it has been a lot more uh, heavily playmaker-focused on their six and seven. He's playing more of a traditional fullback role, and I think today... He was just so, so polished. The Knights could not get a kick in behind him. He was backing up, doing a lot of tough work on tackle four to five, setting up a lot of the good kicks that we had. And I think that that sort of game, I, I don't know why, but my eyes were just gravitating gravitating to where he was, was every time. And I think he just played an incredibly polished game of fullback, and I'm going to give him my one point.
0: Yeah, look, I can't disagree there. And I also want to give a shout-out, not, he's not featuring in uh, my three two one, and and wasn't really pushing up towards the 3 but I really believe that Bailey Simonson is... He's coming good, isn't he? ...finding his groove. Yeah. He is finding his groove within the team. And just as if, if people think back to the years, uh, the first year that Gutho had with us, and he wasn't the most popular player out there on the wing when he uh, first uh, started playing his first few games with the Eels. But he was someone that the more that the ball came into his hands, the better he started looking. And I think Simonson is finding his groove, and uh, anyone who was a a doubter at the start of the season might just be starting to change their mind about him.
1: Yeah, I think he's starting to win over a lot of the sceptics, He's been very, very good last few weeks. Even the West Tigers game, he was one of the better performers on the park. I was actually looking at his numbers in terms of his actual physical profile in the game. I didn't realise he was 188. I thought he was like low 180s. He, he's actually quite a, a well-sized unit, and that explains why he's so difficult to bring down uh, and gets all those post-contact metres. He, he is a good athlete, a very good athlete, and he's really starting to find his niche on that right flank you can see that the the, sy- the synergy, the chemistry of Will Panasini is getting there. Will's, uh, you know, starting to get really comfortable slipping him the quick ball. Yeah, just uh, and and I suppose Bailey's ability to sortie infield and beat the initial defenders and potentially set up a big switch of play back to the left. It's a a real point of difference for the Eels that they might be able to start taking advantage of. And we saw, you know, Will Panasini in our own in- uh, red zone, sorry, throw a huge cutout pass to Dylan Brown back to the left to pinch about fifteen meters. So. Eel's played with plenty of confidence today, and Barry Simonson really, really coming good.
0: Now, just before we get to the conclusion of our instant reaction, um, maybe a quick word about the New South Wales Cup. Yeah, let's
1: talk New South Wales Cup. Always love to talk the Reggies, mate. And they're making a real fist of it. I mean, we we spoke about it earlier in the coverage of this game that the actual Fox, Fox crew were saying that Eel's just having to deal with an absolute raft of changes. And you look at the team this week, mate, you know, you've got Jordan Rankin who is capable of playing fullback very comfortably, but he's been there, was one of their first-choice halves, and he's been playing fullback because of the fact that you got Hayes Perham, and then he's in first grade, you've got Sean Russell who's injured. But uh, looking for that team, we had another winger this week, Joshua McKinnick. Uh, he was a last-second call-up because of, like we said before, Graham O'Wallatafer ruled out. Uh, we had a, a whole... Hey, stack. Hey,
0: hey, was an elevation from the, yeah. uh, <laughs> the jersey flag, flag
1: who who was partnering on the other side another jersey flag winger in uh matthew comalafi who you know was there by virtue of the nr has been in the regis by virtue of the nrl team being absolutely uh um, you know running on fumes when it comes to their outside backs in the front row we had a stack of uh, flag call-ups this week uh, Ryan Jones, who's flag eligible, has been in the squad for a couple of weeks now, but Jack Colavardi and David Hollis also came in this week to account for uh, more injuries that they've had there. So the, the team is barely looks like our reserve grade team that it should, but even so, they absolutely ran the Knights off the field uh, today, 26-8 to eight for the, for the uh, Knights. Actually, opened the scoring, David Armstrong getting past uh, Samuel Luizu with a bit of speed early on, and then Henneti Tuha scoring the 60th minute, but it was all Parramatta. Matthew Komalafi, another hat-trick, mate. He couldn't quite get the prophecy done. Uh, First game, one try. Second game, two tries. Third game, three tries. Fourth game, nearly got the four, but had to settle for another hat-trick. Jeez, life is tough for Matthew. But uh, Jordan Rankin and Jaden Yates also adding four-pointers. Rankin going three from five off the tee. Very, very good all-round performance from the Eels, and they just were too good for the Knights in this contest.
0: Yeah, really impressed with... uh uh, Kai Rodwell yep, in this game, definitely. really, definitely. really tough performance from him. Nearly 50 in tackles,
1: that. I think, 130, 140 metres, all of the quality.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, um, also thought that uh, Ellie Elzec M, um, big contributor there, yep. very good edge player. It, it will be interesting that uh, – look, I I tipped him during the preseason that later on in the year when he's becomes eligible to play that he might be as sneaky of being the next NRL debutant from um uh from the lower nothing grades. He's doing to hurt
1: those chances is he? He has been very very good since coming back from I think what was it was it a hammy or a calf train he had in the early rounds?
0: Yeah, I look I um I, I think it was a hammy but yeah, he missed don't be on that he I I, I, I spoke to him I spoke to him at the uh, earlier in the year when they, um, I think it was when they were playing Mounties, and he was out for a couple of weeks around that time. So um, anyway, he, he's really finding form, and just as he did last year, where if he had have been part of the bubble that went up to Queensland, he probably would have also made his debut against the Panthers in the final round last year, but. Uh, yeah i couldn't go past uh, rodwell and uh, elszegem as two of the best on field i thought they were i thought they were sensational and i think zaccini he continues to improve your your comment earlier in the year when he he first joined the club and he had um an i'll put it in inverted commas an interesting game in his new south wales cup debut where mm. he was a handful for the opposition to bring down but he was Constantly overplaying his hand and and made a few errors as a result of that. And you just said to me, I think he needs the West Tigers coached out of him. Yeah, and um, and I think uh, we've we've seen that in in rather quick time that he's he's got a lot to uh, a lot to potentially offer, and he is such a young player still. So um, he's he's not in the top thirty, but you know he. Uh, he's he's pushing I think I think he's pushing I, I, I probably wouldn't be having a any sort of heart attack if they needed to call on him to fill in.
1: Now, um, I suppose the silver lining to the injury crisis is the Hayes Perims, the Zach Sinis, the Matthew Komalafis. they're the guys that get a chance to stand up and stand tall uh, with you know the opportunity created by injury and they're starting to do it So yeah that, that is encouraging. Uh, a play of it, I thought, has made some moves in the last couple of weeks, and you, we mentioned that Ellie might be a you know a smoky for an NRL debut down the track. But given that Mitch Rain pulled up a bit lame in this game, uh, so there's now a bit of a, a void there in the backup hooker role. I think Brendan Hands is uh, in a real nice bit of form here. He played five eight today. I thought he played pretty well for the most part, and he played very well at Dummy Half last week. He's really shaping up to be a contender for that bench utility role.
0: Uh, very much so uh, again he's someone who sits outside of the top 30 I gave him a bit of a shout out during the preseason because he was uh, one of the best conditioned athletes during the the uh, the what is always a grueling preseason and I like the service that he provided out of dummy half but as you've already mentioned he's he's displaying quite a, a, a bit of a utility role we know from his time at Penrith, that he can play in the halves uh, I I suspect at a pinch he could even play that uh, that lock he's, role he's a
1: goal that... I, I could see it too yeah and I don't think let's I'm not sure if we have any official stats on him because he's not a, a top 30 registered player I'll see if there is any uh, if he has a maybe on his uh wiki profile if we've got any uh, heights or measurables for him doesn't look like it let me check there yeah we haven't got any measurables because he doesn't come across as small but uh here's a little game changer for you mate because this was a fox televised in our in new south wales cup game we actually have numbers I, I usually have to check on monday or tuesday for the uh, new south wales cup numbers but we can see who actually uh put the numbers to back the uh, eye test here you already shouted out zach cini 189 meters of 14 carries uh it's a pretty good efficiency rate right there five tackle breaks Matt Comalafi, 150 metres of 14 carries, also five tackle breaks. Jordan Rankin, 143 meters of 14 tackles, very good too. Uh, In terms of the forwards, Kai Rodwell, 13 carries, 148 meters. And then we got 49 tackles, zero missed, zero ineffective. That backs up what we saw, mate. He had a fantastic game. Big Wirumu, 14 carries, 146 meters. He had uh, the 31 tackles, three missed, two ineffective, which uh, what we've spoken about in the past. That that's probably the side of the game that lets Wyrmwood down just a little bit. Uh, the defensive, defensive efficiency can hurt him. Uh, it's
0: a mo- I think it's a mobility issue as as much as anything that, um, in terms of the, the missed and ineffectives. But, yeah, so, sorry, carry on uh, with the
1: stats. Elsgaham, 137 metres from 14 carries. They only have him down for two tackle busts. But I think that's probably selling him short because he's got that first up fend that I would argue breaks tackles. Uh, and he did that quite a few times in this game, but he had a good game there. And then the other player with the nice numbers, and he's a player we've mentioned, and I know speaking to a good mate of both of ours, Ham, uh, this is a player that caught his eye. Flag eligible forward, Tevita Talma 121 metres off just 11 carries, a handful of tackle breaks there for him free, and he also got through 22 tackles, zero missed, zero ineffective. And uh, you talk about those flag boys. Uh, Tavita's a guy that's been in this team for about a month now, I want to say, 60s. And I think he's going from strength to strength, week to week.
0: Yeah, and it's it's interesting because I think they're looking at players uh, like him and also Peter Tateo as uh, as young players that they want to blood against uh, senior players. And I think both have done their role quite well when called up. Uh, of course, the the counter to that is that the flag then miss them badly when they're when they're not there, and um, and they had a narrow loss to the the knights, the flag team. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, look, I, I I was really pleased that uh, we're starting to see some of these younger players that are, are showing their value to the team, and. and and showing that there is a, uh, a a genuine future with some of these uh, some of the young forwards, especially given the loss of forwards that we're going to have uh, next year. Um, now, before we finish up, uh, just a, a quick wrap to the Eels Tasha Gale uh, girls team, who unfortunately uh, went down by two points to the Knights in their grand final qualifier yesterday. I thought they deserved a little bit better. Um tough run of calls that went against them in the last ten minutes. Yeah, couldn't
1: get a look at really? around the ruck, unfortunately. No New- and to their no. credit, Newcastle surged back on the on the form of their I think their prop was at Mercedes uh let me just quick check him. It was uh their prop forward, Mercedes Metcalf and their centre Mia Middleton, both of whom were very good during that comeback. But yeah, real tough run of fuck there. The referee gave the Knights a few they call them 50 50s but I don't know uh, there was some dubious panellists around the ruck. They helped Newcastle uh, surge back into the contest and it's an unfortunate end 60s to what was a, a wonderful wonderful campaign the eels made such a jump from 2021 to 2022 this year
0: yeah and uh, I believe I just need to I, I just need to check because I I did one um, uh, I, I did look at finding out how many of the girls are eligible to back up again next year so i just want to uh, just want to check because i got the got the mail from uh, coach Ryan Walker today so out of the squad 12 players can return next season including nine that were in the um, 18 that were named yesterday. So that's a that's a big number. Of yeah, that, that that's a other good other amount of
1: retention up. for the squad next year. And the the other side of that too is that there are some players in that squad that will now be in serious consideration for NRLW.
0: Yeah, I think what they're looking at doing is giving a little bit of um, exposure for them, making sure first of all making sure they've got the right um, follow through with. Um, uh, whether it be uh, playing in the um the 100. New South Wales ladies competition, uh, Women's Premiership, yep, 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 and um and for some maybe giving them, I suppose like a a pre season or, or training experience with the NRLW team. So it'll be interesting to find out who does get that that bit of experience. I suppose it's almost like the the train and trial that young players get as yeah, part of their exactly. development with yep. the NRL. So uh, that'll be their equivalent, and of course, with the NRLW players all being part timers themselves, uh, it does allow for um, younger players who are maybe uh, studying or, or or working themselves to get um, to be able to get to training, because to, it, it does fit in. That's with an the important training consideration times. too,
1: is, and we mention it with the NRLW a lot that you know they're not full time footballers yet. They've got to balance the work life or, or work work struggle here. Um, so yeah, that that's something that the club needs to make sure they get right for the ladies. And yeah, and as as the NRLW grows and grows, eventually they're going to become full time footballers, which will be a huge landmark and watershed day for the code. Yeah,
0: yeah. Okay, mate. So uh, anything you'd like to to uh, wrap up with? Today? No, I mean,
1: it, it, like I said earlier, it's just crazy how you go from losing to the West Tigers and and like having so many legitimate gripes and things to moan about to potentially, if the Warriors get up for an upset on Anzac Day, uh, finishing the round in second. So just rugby league, what a game. And it is worth mentioning we're on to Darwin next week to take on the North Queensland Cowboys, who themselves coming off a very, very good win against the Gold Coast Titans. Uh, that'll be a very good clash. Two of the more uh, informed teams. One, obviously, uh, a pre-season contender. One, the big feel-good story, I suppose. The Cowboys have been very good this year, and it'll be a good test of both teams. Yeah, but until then, yeah, just good to have a nice bounce back win, getting back to fundamentals, getting back to Parramatta football. I knock on wood. I don't think there's any serious injuries out of his game, mate. I, I couldn't remember anything uh, of note. I did mention that Mitch Rain pulled up a bit lame in the New South Wales Cup, but at least it, it, it's a week where there wasn't an outside back like somehow killed or murdered on the field, <laughs> mate. Yeah,
0: so plenty to plenty to have enjoyed today and uh, plenty to look forward to. Go the Eels.
1: Go the Eels. As always, thanks for stopping by and giving us a listen. Make sure to check out the and Fro for all the post-game coverage. Goals, grades go up tonight. My musings tomorrow. And then we'll have all the stuff rolling from there. We've got Shelly. We've got stats. you have got everything. But, yeah, catch you guys next week.